Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. I want to introduce you to somebody right here. This is uh, this is Matt Komar, and so uh, oh. so some of you already know Matt, I guess, uh, what it looks like. So we have, for the past three or four years, been uh, trying to hire a youth pastor on staff. And for the past two or three years, people have constantly said to me, "You ought to hire Matt Komar." And Matt really felt like God had called him to be in D.C. public schools and be a teacher down there. And so, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. So we were okay. So we interviewed lots of people, and it was a long, terrible process just because I'm an uptight Washingtonian and I don't like being patient. And this took so many years. And I remember about a year ago, I took Matt outside in between services one Sunday with his wife, Robin. And I said, Matt, if I find out that God has called you to be the youth pastor and you're slowing this process up, I just want you to know that I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so this past week, we, uh, we brought Matt Comar on staff. So I'd like you to help me while well, Matt Comar. That's all I'm going to say. We've got something special. Let's bring all the kids out on stage. Matt's going to talk to you and he's going to have the kids do a little honor to them. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, you're as excited as I am. That's good. Uh, two things real quick. One, our youth group has been run by seven or eight amazing volunteers for the past few years. And so now that I'm on, I'm going to be working really hard with them over the next two weeks to really get our vision together and our program. So in two weeks, July 21st, we'll be ready to share it. So any parents... After the second service, we'll be down in the comments, uh, and we're going to have some things to share with you, how our group's going to run, some calendars to give you. July 21st, don't forget, we'll keep announcing it, we'll send emails, all that, but uh, here's the, you know, uh, mark it on your calendars. All right, Psalm 1, why did we do that song? Let me read you the first verse of Psalm 1, it says this, blessed is the man who does not walk, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. What do those three things represent? Counsel represents thinking, your thoughts. Desperado, it's time to come to your senses. It's time to think. Does anybody know a desperado? Not you. Not you. You're not a desperado, but you know a desperado. You're like, hey, man, it's time to come to your senses. It's time to wise up and start, start thinking. This is what the psalm talks about. Next thing it says, it says, the path, that speaks to somebody's behaviors. And finally, it says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. The seat represents in this psalm your relationships. So we have three things represented here. Thoughts, behaviors, and relationships. Habits. The habit of your mind, the habit of your behavior, the habit of your relationship is the way, the Bible says, to spiritual success. Now, the whole thing begins with these words, this word, blessed, blessed. Now, what exactly does that word mean? Let's talk about what it would mean to the people who were hearing it when it was first written. It's an attention-getter word. It grabs your attention. When you say blessed, when you say somebody's going to be blessed, a blessed person, you're, what you're saying is the successful person, right? The successful Washingtonian. Here is how you attain that. What is that successful person doing? So it's an attention-getting word. Here is how you live the best life possible. You want to live a life that is successful, that's thriving, that is doing well? 
This is what successful people do. And it outlines for us. It's almost like reading a book of a highly successful person or a leadership book. Every, every leadership book I've ever read that's out about a person or about an organization basically is about that person's habits or that organization's habits. And so Psalm 1 is about the habits of a spiritually successful person, and all success, according to the Bible, begins with spiritual success. So, if you want to write this in, the blessed person has strong habits. They have very strong habits. Highly effective people, right? The seven habits of highly effective people. We're not going to do seven today. We're just going to do two. We're going to do two more next week. Thought life, behaviors, relationships. Like the gauges on a car. I have a habit, I notice when I'm in the car, that I look at my speedometer and my fuel gauge. Because if I don't look at my speedometer and my fuel gauge, I get myself into the habit of getting speeding tickets and running out of gas. Does that make sense? This is what we do. So here's, here's what the Bible says. If you want to be spiritually successful, don't take your eye off these gauges. And here's the gauges. Here's the gauges that we need. Don't get distracted, right? Don't pull out your phone and start texting, driving down the road, right? Don't do that. Look at these gauges, and here is the pathway to success. Be intentional about this. So I'm going to talk about two things this morning, and they affect us whether on an individual basis or on a church level. So we talk a little bit this morning about why this church exists and what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go and how we're trying to get there and why. Just like we're going to call individuals to be intentional about these two habits, we're going to call ourselves as a church to be intentional about these habits as well. So here's the first one. Be intentional about the habit of God's word, about God's word. The spiritually thriving person is intentional about the habit of God's word. We're going to talk about that this morning, not just as abstract ideas. We're going to make it really tangible. We're going to choose a biblical character. His name is Samson. And we'll take a look at his life and what he did, where he thrived, where he failed. We're going to see where he, where he reflected on God's word and where he did not reflect on God's word and how it had a negative impact on his life. Now, before we get into Samson and that, I just want to say this. Sometimes people say to me, I hear people say, you know what, I, you know, I could be spiritually successful, but you know, I don't have this. There's something I'm missing in my life. If I just had this, I could be successful, or if I just had this person in my life, or experienced this thing, or I had this gift or talent, I could be successful. But I can't be successful like everybody else because I'm missing that. Well, okay, we're going to level that playing field right off the bat because Samson had everything. There was Nothing he lacked. When you want to talk about somebody who is a superstar, like everybody wanted, every man alive wanted to be Samson. Let's get serious. He was the greatest athlete, fighter, warrior to ever walk the planet. That is Samson. Everybody, he had everything. And yet he failed miserably. So if you say you're missing something and that's why you can't be successful, what the word of God would say to you this morning is you're completely wrong. Completely wrong. You have everything you need to be highly successful spiritually because Samson had it all and yet he failed because he took his eyes off these gauges. Now, here we go. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the person, right, who delights and meditates on God's law. The word law there means direction. What does it mean to meditate on that? It means somebody who gives serious reflection. They go below the surface. They don't just do a surface reading of the text. They just don't try to gain knowledge and volume of what the Bible says. No, they go below the surface thinking, what does that say to me? What does it represent? 
They meditate, they ponder, they turn it over in their mind over and over. This is what Samson did not do. So let's read about him. Judges 13, he's not even alive yet. The angel of the Lord shows up to his parents and says this. says, the boy, Samson, the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the, notice it's all very important. He is going to take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So this guy is to be a Nazarite. Let's unpack that in a second. But he's to be a leader. He's on a mission. Israel is being effective negatively. Like they've got these Philistines coming in and they're raiding them all the time. There's warfare going on. It says, you Samson, you mighty warrior who I'm going to equip with all kinds of strength and power, you're going to lead them in deliverance. You have a mission to accomplish. What does it mean to be a Nazarite? What's, what's, what's the Nazarite? What do they do? Okay, there's three things a Nazarite does. There's no wine. They don't drink wine. They don't drink alcohol. They don't touch dead bodies and they don't get haircuts. Now you might be saying, well, wait a minute. This is my problem with the Bible or this is my problem with people who follow the Bible or Bible thumpers or whatever. This is a little goofy. You know what I'm saying? What's the problem with a bottle of wine or a good haircut? Who, who likes a good haircut every now and then, right? It's a, what's, what's the problem with that? What's, what's the, I mean, the dead bodies, I'm cool with that. I don't need to touch a dead body. I don't feel like, I don't feel inclined to go touching dead bodies. I'm like, no problem. I could be a Nazarite. But you know, the wine and the haircut thing. What, so is there a deeper meaning? And here's where Samson went wrong. Because he ignored, he ignored all this. I'm going to tell you right up front, he ignored all this. You know why he ignored it? Because he never went deeper. He never thought, well, what does, what's the meaning behind these three things that are so important that God is calling me to do? And this is what I want to look at for just a second. Well, we know that seriously successful people have to think deeper about things. Now, first of all, Judges 13 says this guy is on a mission. Samson is on a mission. What do people do who are on a mission? What do people do who are highly successful people or organizations that are pursuing excellence? What do we know about them? What we know is this. They usually have very high standards and strong habits. High standards, strong habits. And then we read about them or we do little documentaries about them and we talk about their strong habits and their high standards. And we're like, oh, wow, you know, it seems goofy. Or everything seems goofy until it's wrapped in a tremendous blanket of success. You follow what I'm saying? Let me give you a case in point. Uh, Steve jo- I haven't talked about Steve Jobs in six months because my wife banned me from talking about Steve Jobs after I read the book, but I was absolutely fascinated by the book. And it's been six months, so let me throw a Steve Jobs thing out at you. You know what Steve Jobs did? Even starting when he just like started Apple, like in his early 20s, you know what he did? He'd go to these meetings with like, bankers or people he was trying to get to uh, help him out with what he was doing, all kinds of meetings or sitting in board meetings with highly successful people. You know what he did? Cried like a baby all the time. He would cry. Oh, please. Like if he couldn't intimidate them to do something, he would just start crying. He would cry. And you're like, man, that is so goofy. Grow up, man. But then you say, Apple computer. Controlling the stock market, most valuable con- uh, company on the planet. You're like, oh, it's okay. Maybe I should start crying in my meetings more often, right? Do you think? Uh, is it? And then you remember the leadership axiom that says nothing great is ever accomplished without passion. And all of a sudden, Steve Jobs crying doesn't seem so goofy when your company's worth five hundred billion dollars, does it? It changes everything all of a sudden. Changes everything. And what I want to suggest to you is that we need to look a little bit deeper. What Samson did not do was look 
deeper into this net and what did it represent? So can I break this down real quick for you? So no wine. Why not any wine? Because Samson's on a mission. And if you drink alcohol, I think you might agree to this, you have a greater propensity to do something unwise. Would anybody agree to that possible statement? Or, or can you just drink all the alcohol you want and there's no problem? All right. So he's on a mission. So he has a high standard and strong habits. And God is saying, look, a man on a mission can't take an unwise moment. Right? We can't have an unwise moment here. We've got to stay on point. Let's not do unwise moments. So that's why you need to stay away from the wine because we can't act unwise. You might... Do something foolish. What, and you, what, what's so fa- There's this story. We could spend 10 weeks on this story. It's awesome. But in Judges 13, he's, he's, just, he's just been born. So he's, he's a baby. The first time you see him as an adult in Judges 14. And the first thing he does in Judges 14, he says to his parents, there's a Philistine girl. You know, God already said, don't marry the Philistines. They'll lead you. Don't do that. And the first thing that the old boy wants to do is what? He wants to marry a Philistine girl. So he's going with his parents down to see this girl, Philistine girl, and we're told he breaks away from his parents on his walk down to Timnah where she lives, and he's going down, and then it says this, and I never saw this recently because I never thought deeply enough about it. My fault. But it says, Samson is approaching a vineyard. Now you tell me, what's a guy who takes a Nazarite vow supposed to stay away from wine? What's he doing walking through a vineyard? What is that all about? And then, check this out. It says a lion comes, this big lion roaring at him. And I always, because I'm stupid, I always read that and thought, oh man, the devil's coming at him like a lion. And then Samson just rips the lion apart. But you know what? I thought deeper about it. Who sent that lion? God sent that lion. To do what? To chase Samson out of the vineyard. And I thought, how many times do men like me that God sends a lion my way to try to chase me away from something, and instead of me saying, okay, I'm gone, I'm out of here, I just grab that lion and try to rip it apart. And it ends causing me huge problems. You, you follow me? So God sends a lion, and he kills the lion. Hey, men, how many of you guys, God's trying to chase you away from something, and you're killing the lions he's sending your way? This is what Samson does, because he doesn't think deep enough. So he acts very unwise, and we could talk all day about his unwise actions, but let's move on to the next one. The next one is don't touch a dead body. Why? Because you don't want to get any diseases. You don't want to become unclean in some way. A man on a mission doesn't have time to be laid up because he's disqualified himself with some disease, physical, ethical, sexual disease. We live in Washington, D.C. Has, have any men in Washington, D.C., disqualified themselves because they've made themselves unclean sexually, ethically. All of a sudden, the Nazarite vow doesn't sound so goofy and stupid, does it? It says, Samson, you're to stay away from things that will make you unwise and things that will make you unclean, that will unqualify you. What's the last thing? What, what, what possible significance could the cutting of the hair have? Well, the cutting of the hair, when Samson looked at his long hair, he was supposed to remember, ah, I shouldn't partake in things that are unnecessary. I need to stay on point. I need to stay prioritized. People who are highly successful are people who can look at a long list of things they have to do, and they say, you know what? I need to do this and this, and I can just throw everything else away because I know how to prioritize. Do you follow me? This is what highly successful people do. They know where to spend their time and their energy. And so Samson was supposed to look at this and say, this is where I need to spend my time. So we've already said this. 
Samson was called to lead Israel, to lead them and to chase, to lead Israel and to chase the Philistines out of the country. How did he spend his life? You read the story. You should read it. It's only four chapters, and it's, it's like reading an action-adventure movie, right? You know how he spent his life? He spent his life leading no one and not chasing the Philistines. Instead, he chased women his entire life. That's how he spent his life because he couldn't prioritize. He couldn't stay on point with his problem. So all of a sudden, this Nazarite vow doesn't sound so goofy. He breaks all three. I just want to make an observation about men for a second, if I can. Men. men don't like to hear the word no. Don't know. Don't, don't marry the Philistine women. First thing he wants to do is marry. Okay. Don't drink alcohol, touch dead bodies, right? Or cut your hair. He does all that. Men don't like to hear the word no. I was talking to a gentleman. He'd been married about 40 years. Seemed like he had a fantastic marriage relationship. And I was saying, tell me about your marriage. He said, I have three rules. I'm going to tell you guys about one rule because the other rules too much to get into. So I have three rules, and let me tell you my first rule. I told my wife, never tell me no. Never tell me no. And he said that, and I thought, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, he said, rule number one, never tell me no. I said, I like rule number one. Rule number one feels really good to me. And so I remember, this is about 10 years ago, I remember going home, and I went home, and I said, Krista, don't ever tell me no. And she said, no, 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 no. Backfired on me a little bit, but men don't like to hear the word no. They don't like to hear the word no. Samson heard the word no, and he recoiled again. He didn't like it, and so he broke every single one of these. We need to think deeply. Now, what's interesting, at the end of his life, so he, he, he leads Israel, doesn't really lead, but he's there in place for 20 years, and he ends up, he gets captured, they gouge out his eyes, they put, a big, they put a big chain around him, lead him around like a dog, you know, and they parade, the Philistines parade him out at their, in front of their god Dagon, and they make fun of him, all this kind of stuff. And at the end of his life, he prays this prayer. It just fascinates me. Judges 16, 28. Look, this is what he says to God. So ironic. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. What audacity. <laughs> this guy has forgotten God. God's never forgotten him. God keeps rescuing him, keeps falling on him with power, and he's able to deliver him from all kinds of perilous situations. And the guy does nothing but forget God. And here he is at the end of his life. He says, oh, God, could you just remember me one time? Samson has a memory issue. He has a major memory issue. I want to suggest to you a couple things here this morning about making the habit of God's word. Listen to this. The 119th Psalm, the book of Psalms is fascinating. The largest book in the Bible, everybody. Book of Psalms, largest book in the Bible. You want to know how how to be spiritually successful? Book of Psalms is a great place to turn to. The the 119th Psalm is the longest chapter in the the entire Bible. And it's all about the power of the word of God. It's all about the habit of God's word and being spiritually successful. The book of Psalms actually is right in the center of your Bible today. If you somehow open up right to the middle of your Bible, you're going to probably land in the book of Psalms. Very important. And Psalm 119, which is all about the habit of God's word, says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. 
I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does it mean to hide God's word in our hearts? It means here's a person who gives serious reflection to the word of God, and what is it saying? What's the rhyme or reason? Is God just telling me no to tell me no, or is there a reason behind it? And there is, and this is what Samson never did. Serious reflection. Joshua 1.8, which is probably the clearest verse in all the Bible about success, about finding true success. Look what it says. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. There's the serious reflection again. Turn it over in your mind. Ponder it. Think about it. So that, so that what? So that you could be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be what? prosperous and successful. You want to be successful? You're an uptight Washingtonian that's bent on success. The Bible says, okay, I've got a verse for you. Here's how you find true success. Look, I want to be successful in life. I want to, be, I want to pursue excellence. I want to do things well. And the Bible comes to me, God comes to me here and says, look, here's how you do it. You start by giving serious reflection on God's word. That's how you do it. You don't get up you know, and check your emails first thing. and that could, this, You want to be successful, you prioritize. And you give serious reflection. It puts it in a whole new light. This is how you find yourself successful. Jesus Christ says, man does not live, shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Judges, so when Samson lived in the time of Judges, here's the key verse in the entire book of Judges. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Or they're being driven by whatever they want to be driven by. Instead of being driven, the word for law in Psalm 1 meditates on the law. The word law, the Hebrew word law means direction. It means what's driving you. And God says, I want to drive you. And if you let me drive you, I'll drive you to success. And Samson said, I don't want you driving me. Instead, he was driven towards failure. So here's my challenge. I'd like to just challenge you with this. Now, when you get up in the morning, right, and I know you probably are all eating Wheaties because it's the breakfast of champions, right? When you eat your breakfast, take out Psalm 1 this week as you eat your breakfast. Take out Psalm 1 and read it slowly and reflect on it for five minutes and just say, God, how can what I'm reading here in Psalm 1, what's the deeper meaning to it? And how can... I allow it to shape my decisions that I make today that will impact my life and lead me towards spiritual success. So you got the Bible and you got your breakfast champions. Some of you don't, just in case some of you are like me and you don't eat breakfast because you're so uptight that you just fly through breakfast, right? Here's what I have to do because I don't eat breakfast. Before I check my phone in the morning, which is really a pain because the first thing I do, and I know some of you sleep actually with your phones, uh, before you do that, think, you know what? I'm going to reflect on God's word first. Now, for some of you, it's going to be really hard to do. For me, I've, I, I started practicing it this week. It was really difficult for me to do. But let that serve as a reminder. You know what? I'm going to reflect seriously on Psalm 1 before I go to my phone. And then your phone can be your reward afterwards, and you'll feel great relief as you move on to check your phone. Okay, there's the first habit. That's what we're after as a church. This is what we want to challenge you to do in your individual lives, and this is why we keep coming back to this all the time, to serious reflection on God's Word, not just a surface thinking about the Bible, serious in-depth reflection. All right, the second habit of highly successful people is this. It is people. 
It's God's people. She had God's word, God's people. You need God's word, and now you need God's people. The habits of successful people are people. It's relationships. Relationships matter. This is what Psalm 1 says. You think, you, you go through the story, you go through all the story of the Bible, you think of the fact that Moses had Aaron, David had Jonathan, Joshua had Caleb, Jesus had his disciples, Paul had Silas, and Samson had nobody. Nobody. No relationships, no healthy relationships in his life. I was talking a couple months ago to a friend of mine who's been extremely, extraordinarily financially successful. Tens of millions of dollars. And we're having a conversation about success. He said, John, you know, about five, ten years ago or so, I realized relationships are really important. And so what I began, so what I began to do is tried to begin to cultivate good relationships in my life, and I can't tell you how big of a blessing that has been to me. Well, what do you think I did? What do you think I did? When somebody tells you who's super-duper successful, you're like, oh, you're stupid. <laughs> no, you're like, oh. Well, this is the same thing the Bible was saying, that relationships, good, solid, and Samson had none. He didn't have any relationships that he could turn to. Proverb, I mean, Psalm 1-4 says the person who is unsuccessful, because Psalm 1 says there's two different paths, one of success and one of failure. And it says the person who takes the wrong path, they're like chaff, C-H-A-F-F, chaff. You know what the deal is with chaff? It is rootless. It doesn't have any roots to it, and it's weightless. It just blows around because it's not connected. And this is why we try to challenge you on actually attending church on a regular basis or going to your community group Bible study. Why? Because that's how you get rooted. It would be foolish for us to say, I can take a plant up here and this plant can kind of plunge down like once a month, right? And then it's gone for a month. Are you following me? And then plunges down again and somehow it's going to root and it's going to grow. No, it's going to be chaff. This is why church attendance and why Bible study attendance is vital because it's the way to spiritual success. It's the relationships that matter. We have to be connected. Look at Proverbs 12, 15. It says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. You know why they're listening to advice? Because they got advisors around them. They have people. They have relationships around them that they can listen to. It's very, very important. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert in sober mind, and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Notice the word someone, someone, singular. 85% of violent crimes happen when a person is by themselves. This is when we are attacked, when we're disconnected like Samson. So we're told when Samson goes charging through that vineyard, he broke off from his parents and he was all alone. I told you a few minutes ago, he's going down to Timnah, everybody. He's going down to Timnah to marry this Philistine girl, which he should have never done in the first place. And when he gets there, you know what they do? We're told that they give him 30 friends because he doesn't have any friends of his own. They had to give him 30 friends. Men are terrible at this. Women, you're much better at this. But men are terrible at the relationship thing. But we need it. And Samson never had anybody, any other men, to challenge him on his relationships and his weaknesses and things that he faces. He was all alone constantly. Here's the next thing i like you to write in. Men tend to ignore their weaknesses. We just tend to ignore our weaknesses. And we need other men in our lives who can challenge us on our weaknesses. I was talking to somebody last night, and they were telling me that their, um, 
um, talking to a man who's going through a tough time. And there was a woman who was telling me this, and she's talking to a man. I said, it's great. You've got to get him talking to another man. Got to get him talking to another man. Because a man can talk to you know, a woman all day long. A lot of times, you know, the woman can't see her way through all the crap that he's saying. Just to be honest with you. But a man does. We see right through it. And we cut it right off. And that's why you got a lot of guys that don't want to get into those genuine relationships like Samson. Because Samson didn't really want to change. He wanted to continue on his path towards failure. Men tend to ignore their weaknesses. And we need genuine relationships. We can deal with the stuff that is in our lives. Where we can be challenged. This is one of the reasons why we talk about men's groups here at church. And we're going to talk a lot more about men's groups. And I think it's awesome to be in a marriage. You're married. You're in a married couple. I'm not saying get out of it. It's absolutely awesome. You're in a co-ed group. That's absolutely awesome. But let me tell you, there's a completely different story when you look another man in the eye and you start talking about stuff. Right? So here's one of the stuff. Samson had an eye problem. Write that down. He had an eye problem. I don't know any men that don't have eye problems. And I'm not talking about glaucoma or cataracts. Right? I don't know any man that doesn't have an eye problem. Let me show you something. This is fascinating with Samson. Look at it. Judges 14.6. Check this out. The spirit of the Lord came down upon him. Speaking of Samson, God's power, boom, right on Samson. So that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. That's powerful. What guy here wouldn't want that? For the spirit of God just a boom, and then you like tear a lion apart? That would be just awesome. Drop me in some zoo somewhere and just let me just... Right? Judges 15, 14. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him again. And the rope, they tried, to, they tried to tie him up. This is, you know what this is? I got to stop and tell you this. What's going on right here? Uh, we're almost done. But uh, his own countrymen, the Israelites, because he had caused such a problem, the, his own people who he was supposed to be leading, the Israelites, came and tied him up and were delivering him to the Philistines. Is that a problem? The very people he was supposed to be leading and loving and delivering are tying him up and, and taking him to the Philistines. This is terrible. So they, so, so, they, so they tie him up, and then the Spirit of God powerfully comes upon him so the ropes on his arms become like charred flax and the bindings drop from his hands. The power of God on his life. Now, listen to this. The power of God was all over Samson. But the power of God was no match for a short skirt. Was it? It's no match for a short skirt. We talk about praying and Holy Spirit being all over our lives. All we want, a short skirt, walk right past Samson and he melted. There's your reality. That's why we need other men in our lives. You have the power of God on you all day long. You need other men in your life and your life as a man to challenge you because armies of men could not defeat Samson. He destroyed armies of men, but one soft woman put him to sleep on her lap and took away his freedom. Should we not wake up and understand that? You know, guys, the Bible says it all over the place. Be strong and courageous. Be fearless. Be strong. Be courageous. Fight. And we're into that. We want to be fighters. There's like a warrior inside of every single guy in this room. Somewhere. Big, small, whatever. But this is this desire to be a warrior. But you know the Bible says one area I want you 
The Bible says, I want you to be a wimp. I want you to be a little sissy, and I want you to run one area, and that's in the area of sex. Isn't that fascinating? And here we've got Mr. Macho himself. Right? He's Rambo and Beowulf and Born and Bond, and he's all these guys rolled up into one, man. He's just awesome. Absolutely awesome. He gets taken down. Taken down by a soft woman with the power of God dripping off of his life. Fellas, you got to get into a group. You got to get into a group. Get into the word. I say this all the time for guys. Get into the word, get into a group, and get honest. If Samson's not a wake-up call to us, I don't know what will ever be a wake-up call to us. This is the way it rolls. Samson had an eye problem. I want to show you one last thing about Samson. I already told you Judges 13 covers his birth, so okay. He's, he's a baby. He didn't have an eye problem yet. All right. Then you got Judges 14, 15, and 16. Let me tell you how those three chapters start, which is all about his life. Judges 14 says, Samson saw a girl. Judges 15, Samson wanted to see a girl. Judges 16, Samson saw a girl. Are we, do, are you, do you think there's a track record there? Is something building? Is there an issue there? He had, he had a major issue. Get in the word, get in a group, get honest, really think. Make the habit of God's word in serious reflection a part of your life. This is the habit of a highly successful person. We want to be, as a church, we want to challenge you. We want to challenge you towards spiritual growth. We want to challenge you towards spiritual excellence. And as a church, we want to strive towards it. We want to make the habit of serious reflection on God's word a priority here. We want to make the habit of groups, communities, relationships. And for men, for men, I'm getting ready to have a meeting right after this with a bunch of guys, and we're going to talk about the importance of men's groups is what we're going to do. It's critically important if we want to be successful. So we started with Desperado. For some of us, we just need to come to our senses. Samson, all that time, why don't you come to your senses? Why don't you just think about what you're doing? What are you thinking? It's time for us to think. For many of us this morning, we don't need an emotional shot. What we need instead is to think. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, so much for your word. So practical, so helpful. Lays it right out there for us like the best leadership book ever written. It shows us the habits that we should be after. God, would you light a fire in us? Would you help us to just to come to our senses this morning and give serious reflection on your word and give serious thought about getting into relationships that will help us and will challenge us to be absolutely everything that you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, we're going to end. The prayer team is going to be on the wall over there. Brother Han right here on the saxophone as you leave is going to serenade you with a very special song. So God bless you. Thanks for being here.